My life is like a browser with 25 open tabs. I have kind of a constantly plugged in thing. Any interruption could jeopardize the whole operation. So I got my internet service from AT&T. Because their customers rated their service number one in reliability over cable. For $40 a month, I can get up to 100 megabits per second internet, so I can stay up to date on the latest stuff going on in my world. It's soothing to know AT&T internet is rated number one in reliability over cable. It helps me maintain my low-stress thing. AT&T internet customers rank their service number one in reliability over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits per second. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance and reliability of speed and service consistency. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Indie Radio presents Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. The show that breaks down all new episodes of your favorite zombie TV show right here on IndieRadio.org. And now, here are the hosts of the podcast, Kente, Jen, and Olaf. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Hey, I'm doing good. You know, <clears throat> I have to, uh, I got to tell you a funny story. Mm-hmm. I told somebody that this morning I was going to be casting, right? And I mean, I've used this as uh, as sort of the shortened version of podcasting for a long time. And this person said to me, Oh, I didn't know you were Wiccan. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. I'm sorry. I just thought that was, so that funny. is funny. Uh, so the moral of that story is be specific. I, I'm shocked that they didn't know you were Wiccan. Wiccan. <laughs> I, I, what I, what I should have said, although I didn't have the quippy reply handy, was I'm not a white lighter or, you know, something like that. But I just, it was just so shocking that I, I didn't, at first I was like, what? What are you even talking about? It took me a second to realize it. So, yeah, anyway, that's my funny anecdote for the day. That's funny. Hilarious. Uh Wow. I'm shocked that you're not one. Well, uh, next time I'm sure that they will ask me, oh, I didn't know that you were fishing or, you know, something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I'll I'll stick to podcasting from now on just to be ultra specific. Yeah, yeah, we don't want those kind of uh, mix-ups in the future. It's so true. All right, so uh, we are talking about still season nine of... The Walking Dead. This is episode, I believe, 11. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 of the Yeah, season. episode 12. Yeah, excuse me. Oh, man, this just flies by, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, and this one was called Guardians. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. And um, so this episode uh, was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. Uh, we got a better understanding of the Whispers. Uh, more so than we did, you know, in previous episodes. Uh, got a good look at Beta, who uh, played by the great Ryan Hurst. Uh, the Alpha Lydia dynamics were were also um, included in this. We also had a little Father Gabriel and Rosita and Eugene and Sadiq. Or what's it? Wait, what's his name? Sadiq. Yeah, Sadiq. Yeah, Sadiq. Uh, Try, uh, qu- not even a triad. It's a what? A quad? Quadra- quadriad? <laughs> yeah, a quad. You got to work on those quads. Um, and uh, we had a, a some... qu- it's a quadrangle. Quadrangle. Okay. A quadrangle. There we go. It sounds painful. Uh, <laughs> um, and then also we had 
we had some a little bit of um, Negan in this episode too. Uh, I would say quite a bit of Negan. Wouldn't you say? That was interesting. That was very interesting. I loved that, by the way. Can't wait to talk about that. Yes. So, actually, you know what? Let's start with a little Negan uh, in this episode. Let's let's talk about Negan. Uh, I really did. I enjoyed that as well. The piece about Negan. And um, so, of course, let's go back to a couple episodes ago. Negan is able to escape his cell. And once he got out there into the world, he realized there's not so good here, <laughs> you know. Uh, so he comes back, and he tries to use the the fact that you know what I could have killed you, I could have done you know all kind of things to you, but I didn't do it. So that kind of makes me not so bad. You can kind of trust me. Is essentially what he says. Um, so I'm going to go to you in this. Um, what do you think about that piece? Well, two things, right? Mm-hmm. One, you have to put the conversation with Michonne and Negan in context with something that comes later. Mm-hmm. And what comes later is a conversation with Michonne and Judith in mm-hmm. the house. And it, it, what, what it puts into context is the idea that maybe people can change. Now, just right off the bat, sorry for the pun, but <laughs> honestly, I I don't know very many people who think, oh, Negan has turned over a new leaf, and so <clears throat> he's a changed man. But, but there is something that seems... Uh, like it's a perpetual dynamic in the walking dead, which is, you know, people's colors can change. People change alliances, people change um, who they are sort of like quote unquote with uh, people change their ideas. That does seem to be a pretty heavy dynamic. So it's, it feels like that's the direction that they're going in. But what the other part of that conversation that was so interesting was this idea that that conversation uh, with Michonne and Negan led to Michonne then saying, okay, if you want to revote on the fair, revote on the fair. And, and it's funny how Negan gets under the skin of the people that he talks to with what feels like minimal effort. So in (laughs) some ways, Negan is just as effectively manipulative, whether it's for the good or the bad, his character is so, it's so strongly written to affect everybody around him that it even shows in the most mundane of conversations. Yeah. He, uh, (laughs) Negan is always constantly looking out for Negan. Even when, you know, I I believe there are good bones in his body, right? But you can't trust Negan. Negan is always going to be out for him. And the first opportunity he's going to have to go all Negan on you, you know, he is. Well, there's this idea, right, that uh, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it may be in you know, sort of a a pull aside, that's what was happening to Negan. But but I think that Michonne is right, right? Maybe as a human being, Negan is still a human being. And maybe he is not a monster, but he did monstrous things. And nobody should be giving him a free pass for that. Right. He did serve six years, though. I, I mean, he killed Glenn. He's... Let's let let's not forget how viscerally horrible <coughs> that was. But he did serve six years. You know, I think the current punishment for most murder is, you know, twenty years to life. So I think he's uh, he's he, plus two. He also got a free pass. He got he got like a a, a a couple of days of parole, dude. Way not fair. 
way back there. Uh, I, the other thing that was interesting to me about that is the correlation, of course, between the graphic novel <coughs> and what we see on TV and the graphic novel being that eventually they do sort of give Negan a little bit of room on a leash to go do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it actually leads to, um, without being any spoilers or anything, it leads to an interesting interaction with what is at play right now. So mm-hmm. it does feel like maybe they're heading in that direction. Um, but the, it's so fraught with so many different problems. Also, you know, if we could just talk one more thing about Negan. What I find fascinating about Negan is sort of like the way that every single one of the characters who interacts with Negan walks away with a different experience of him. I mean, that that's, I feel like that's relatively rare. I mean, if you put 10 people in a room, 10 people will say something different about Negan. And I don't know too many people or characters that that happens with. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely. And, and for those who, who are, you know, listening to this show, uh, I see some, a couple of people came into the chat room and people are checking us out on Periscope and on YouTube as well. Um, this is a show that covers the walking dead television series. Um, we will talk about the comic book series, which has been, uh, this, how long would you say it was? the Negan storyline and uh, I mean, not the Negan storyline, but the whispers storyline. It was how long ago would you say they introduced that into the comic book? Oh gosh, years ago. Right. So we're going to spoil it. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to spoil it. If you, if that, if, if that bothers you or whatever, uh, to, um, Sorry about that. I had to send this message. Um, if that bothers you, I'm sorry. It sucks to be you. Uh, we're going to talk about it because we're jerks. <laughs> but, but, but you know, also the other thing is, it, the, I think we have to sort of put everything into perspective. There is the comic book universe, which has its own sort of canon laws, right? And those canon laws are a little bit different in terms of story and narrative. The TV show has definitely taken on its own complexity and where they are oftentimes in alignment with the graphic novel. They have gone off the rails on a number of different occasions and will continue to do so because of the departure of certain actors from the show, because... uh, some narratives, the comics took less time than uh, than maybe they could protract them out on TV. And also on TV, there is this element of location and um, and a strength of setting, which is really important to the show, and it's not quite as important to the comic. I I agree with all that, but I'll say this. We, uh, we are, I, you know, some people see spoiling the, um, the comic book is somehow messing up the TV show, even though it's been pretty much established that they're different entities. Sometimes if you know what happened in the comic book, it can affect your watching of the show because there's a direct correlation between it. With all that said, just be warned, we'll talk about the comic book and if it, you know what's going to happen. Uh, well, I'm always excited to see if they put things in alignment. I'm always excited to see, like, even if I know something is sort of quote unquote coming up, that doesn't make it, it doesn't spoil it for me. It makes it interesting to see how will this play out because there's so many different new character dimensions and interactions that nothing is the same as it is in the comics. That's not possible. Right. So, with all that said, um, let's talk about Alpha and Beta. Uh, and r- welcome to the uh, chat room, both um, Bobby and ho- my good friend Jorge, uh, who uh, I just reconnected with uh, yesterday uh, after a long time. Um, but anyway, so um, we talked about Alpha 
and we're going to talk about um, Alf more about Alpha and the relationship with uh, her daughter. But uh, Beta, played by Ryan Hurst. First of all, what a perfect casting. <laughs> he like embodies right. that character really well. You know, he uh, he's definitely the right person for for the uh, the job, and he has this presence about him that's so spooky. And so, you know, uh, it's like he has this ghoulish look. It ain't just the mask, you know what I'm saying? It's everything that comes with it. He's really, you know, very good, uh, very well casted in this uh, this role. Um, and his his relationship with Alpha is very interesting because in my mind, I mean, Beta really is, you know, she's much more physically imposing than alpha obviously and it seems like at any time if he wanted to he could demolish her you know but he respects her in 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 a certain way and he likes her her leadership and so they have this interesting relationship um did you get the idea that it's romantic in any kind of way um, from what I saw, not especially, mm. not, I don't see anything yet that seems to say that, not, not clue-wise TV style. Right, right. But, but I did, you know, there is, I I think, I don't know, but I do feel like there is a weird parallel going on between what's happening in Alexandria and that power struggle, mm-hmm. uh, or that, that power dynamic, and uh, Alpha and Beta, because... One of the things that uh, that the council said, which is represented in that weird circle that they had in the forest, um, they said, well, why do we we're we're supposed to be uh, a council and yet you have all the power because you veto anything that is everything is now a security concern. Okay, so having said that, if you now flash over to the forest, it's sort of the polar opposite. The people have. They haven't. They have a say, but the say is always with Alpha because Alpha's the leader. But Beta is, and if you listened to the dialogue, Beta is really the one who is challenging things behind the scenes, like like bringing up the idea that maybe Lydia has feelings for Henry and that that needs to be disproven, like the idea that. Uh, you know, people, if they question Alpha's leadership, what should happen, those kinds of things. It's so interesting how there is such a uh, an opposite upside down effect between the two groups. Right. No, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and, you know, obviously done on purpose as well. I, I really like the, the beta character because the beta character is a lot deeper than then I think is even being sort of represented at this point. The beta character has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that goes on inside of the group, which you can already see is happening. You know, beta, I don't, I feel like beta is not just sort of the strong man, but that there is a, some, some intellectual power behind what's happening but do you you know what you know how it is when you're like a not a I don't want to call it a puppet leadership but because I don't think that's what's exactly happening but it's kind of like lazy leadership I don't really want to be the leader but if I put if I if I empower you to be in charge and keep you in charge then I don't have to do all the leadership stuff Does that you know what I'm trying to say No no I hear exactly what you're saying so you're saying he really is leading, but he's leading from the back. Yeah, like you know, like like uh, like a what's a good example of this? He Dick right, Cheney. He's, he, what's that? He's like Dick Cheney. Yeah, there you go. He's and so I mean, it always looks like. And I'm not saying that Alpha is not strong because clearly Alpha is ruthless and very strong and able to make snap decisions <laughs> snap. living and not living <coughs> pretty easy yeah i'm really on the puns today aren't i yes. um i'll call but, you big pun uh, but but it's not um but it's 
but it but there is something there's clearly something else going on alpha is is sort of like the i see everything kind of a, a person watches everything sees everything beta is it feels like beta is more like the i interpret everything mm, interesting interesting i guess we'll see i don't i don't know because th- this the the whole relationship between the two of them so far that we've seen feels uh in this episode i feel like we learned so much more than you would normally learn about character interactions on the walking dead in such a short amount of time it was like there was a lot packed into that uh, i uh, i mean like a lot just by the walking dead standards mm. Now, let's talk about this young man. Um, (laughs) uh, Henry, who, I mean, this guy is just so in love. I mean, you know, he's so hopelessly in love, Henry. Um, So he follows this girl back to their, their camp and gets caught, of course. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Kate from Lost. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so Kate thing thing to do. Uh, so, I mean, what's up with this guy? I mean, I get it. He fell for this girl. The two seconds he's known her, he's willing to risk his life. Uh, I mean, what are we to think about him? I mean, basically, he's put people's lives in jeopardy because of his boner. Well, I mean, we had this discussion on the last Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the, the last episode that we did together. It's not uh, we we sort of differ in this opinion because I do think that Henry has a streak of I don't know what to call it other than chivalrous behavior underneath everything else. I know that all the other stuff is there, but I I I still think that there is something else that is sort of a, a behavioral moral that is pushing him in that direction <laughs> so you're you thinking it's his better angels that is uh well in part right not completely obviously you know they, they set this up so that he's he's a young guy you know i mean like yes all that stuff is all real but i do think that there is still another aspect to this because 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 this because at some point, the want or desire or true need for sex has got to be outplayed by your want or need and desire to live. And when they were in that camp and the walkers were chomping on all of the whisperers, that seems like the time to say I need to live. And instead he said, I'm not leaving without her. I I don't know. I mean, that seems like it goes a bit further than just, Oh yeah. I just want to get laid. Okay. You really underestimate a a man. uh... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously. uh, No, I think he was thinking with the little head because, (laughs) you know, why would you go through all that? You know, it wasn't so they can play backgammon later. I didn't. Okay, so I'm not negating that. And I'm not saying that that is, you know, some marginalized truth. That's a big truth in all of this. I'm just saying that I think that there is a streak of chivalry in Henry, which also guides him. Isn't it funny how there's so much chivalry towards a woman that he has potential to have sex with? Well, where's the chivalry at for anybody else? (laughs) So that tells you something when, you know, it's like a, it's like a beautiful woman who goes, she goes to the car dealership and she goes, you know, they were so nice. They put on my brakes for free. You, you think it was because he, he was so nice. Are, are, are you just trying to trash my romantic idealism? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I get that. Yes. I mean, sh- chivalry. Chivalry is only when you want the girl (laughs) i don't know it's it 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 seems to be like if you were raised by carol and ezekiel that there just must be a little something there Mm, i i mean like he would do it probably for carol because that's like his mother but 
mostly any other woman, it's because of his loins. Okay. That's why he's risking all of this is because he can't think about anything else. He's blinded by that. And the crazy thing is she ain't never really done anything with him yet. And you know what I'm saying? Like he, he was only around her for a little bit. Well, they held hands. I mean, you know, the, who knows that that could be super significant. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) So I think ultimately, you know, he's going to end up with, with her. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Henry is funny. I never thought we were going to be talking about Henry so much on this show, but uh, they've managed to make him a, you know, a character that we have to talk about. Well, like I said last week, this is this is uh, this is a central uh, piece to the Whisperer's story in the comic line, except we reverse Henry and put in Carl. So it so it is sort of a big this is a big thing this is definitely um as you go forward in the comics at least it's a huge Mm storyline and so yeah i think uh i think henry will definitely have more places to sort of be a part of the story my you know what my uh interest is so piqued about how carol will respond (laughs) to what has transpired so far because it feels to me like carol would have a cow about what is happening with henry i agree i don't think carol's gonna come down on the side of yeah you should go rescue some girl from the whisperers camp yeah she's not but you know she never was a young man so she doesn't understand (laughs) so that's true she didn't even want them to go get the projector bulb from the movie theater. Right, so. right, right. <laughs> Can't imagine she wants Henry to do that. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that one of my least favorite characters is Eugene. And, uh, you know, I'm just not a fan of Eugene's character. But we have to talk about him this week. Uh, because but he, he made a rubric, Kinte. Yeah, I know. That's, that's got to count for something. Yeah, he's a douchebag. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it counts for. You know. Aw. Yeah. He... So I'll let you oh. open in with this. This guy. Okay. So so Eugene. First, let's say what happened. Right. Eugene approaches Father Gabriel with basically the pros and cons of raising another man's child, and. I think that this probably came from Eugene thinking about it himself, not necessarily passing it on to Father Gabriel as, oh, hey, here's a little, here's a little aid for you. Right. I'm sure Eugene probably was thinking about this himself. And so he passes this on to Father Gabriel, and Father Gabriel says, uh, I don't really think this is going to be very helpful for me to make my decision. But what the interesting thing that comes out of that discussion is, you know, obviously Eugene... He professes, you know, that he is absolutely head over heels again for Rosita. But also that it feels to me like what Eugene was trying to say was, I understand that for the greater good, sometimes you have to give things up. As in, and I I feel like this is a recurring theme with Eugene, right? Because he was just so bad in the beginning. Not not bad, but uh, he, he caused so much unnecessary everything. And so it does feel to me like, you know, at least he's he's trying to move in a different direction. But Eugene is Eugene. I mean, you know, once a douchebag, always a douchebag. See, I think that what's happening with Eugene is Eugene is somehow on some kind of autism spectrum. Right. (laughs) That he he absolutely positively is his the way that he thinks is so out of the norm that it that it creates a kind of WTF moment in almost everything he does and and that is a problem <laughs> it's a problem for us as viewers it's also a problem for the fictional character world because nobody really knows exactly how to respond to him well why is it that when anytime when somebody is like a douchebag it's they're bipolar. 
kids that they are. But in this case, it's really obvious, Kinte. I mean, uh, it really is obvious. Nobody presents you. He he wasn't doing that to be a douchebag. Nobody presents you with mountains of analytic uh, discussion material about raising somebody else's child unless that is somehow a part of their thinking structure. It's because oh, just like with Henry, don't, you know, don't assume that I don't also think that Eugene is a douchebag. He lied in the biggest way possible, got people killed, made people do things for him that are frankly disgusting. So in the same way that Negan isn't going to become a new Negan, Eugene isn't going to be a new Eugene, but he has redeemed part of who he is by doing some things and it's clearer as time goes by that he really is he doesn't think the way everybody else thinks and i'm not saying that that's an excuse it's not an excuse it's just different mm-hmm. are you finished or are you done <laughs> well, I mean, we, we could say we could say negan you know really suffered from megalomania and he was uh you know brought up to be a psychopath or whatever and so, oh, poor Negan, maybe he was abused as a child. I don't know. But that doesn't excuse his behavior today. It's just a, a background piece of information to to be fictionally character relevant. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going with good old fashioned. He's just a douchebag. <laughs> How about that, everybody? How about that? All right, I'll 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 give you that one actually. I mean, I I, I will I'll come down on the side of I think he has behaved more douchebag than not. So, yeah, I get that. Yes. I'm just presenting the other side. That's all. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so let me, while we're, while we're um, going on, um, I want to get back to, uh, to Lydia, right? And, uh, well, you know, before we go to Lydia... Um, let's talk about, let's see if I can pull up this. Uh-oh, sorry about that. So, um, we have Daryl is on his mission, of course, and, uh, we'll, we'll get to ultimately what happens with Daryl. Um, but, um. Do we see uh, uh, a romance here? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you know, because, you know, we've never seen Daryl with anybody. Uh, You you know, Daryl is one of those characters that's like, it doesn't matter how many times I hear fangirls go, oh my God, it's Daryl, it's Daryl. I have never understood that. And so when I think about Daryl in any kind of romantic situation, I I don't... I'm sorry, Norman Reedus. Uh, I I know that you're probably a okay person, but I don't. In the fictional world of The Walking Dead, dude, I just don't get it. I, I don't. What is attractive about Daryl? You, hey, you're the woman. <laughs> Look, I can, uh, you know. Oof, I I'm I'm I don't I don't understand it. I I don't understand it from a personality vantage point, and I also don't understand it from sorry a physical standpoint either i don't i don't get it i'm 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 sure that there are reasons and you know if i could sit at a table with change my mind i would and i would listen but i personally i don't understand what that is and so for me to think about what romances might be blossoming in different between different characters that's really hard for me i don't see how people become attracted to daryl because he not just pushes people away so often, but because he's so, uh, I don't know, gruff isn't the right word. He, he doesn't, he, there is nothing about Daryl to me that stands out as this is who I am uh, in, in personality that is, um, that is strong in the sense that, uh, here's what I have to give to a relationship. feels like everything Daryl has to give is sort of a strength of event, strength of a moment. So Daryl would make a great beta hmm. in that kind of correlation. He's not an alpha, he's a beta. 
he's not an alpha, he's a beta. Wow, you know, uh, th- there's probably a lot of connotations there that we probably shouldn't go into. Um, but yeah. You get no arguments from me. Me and our Yardley used to say that all the time. Like, what's the big deal with, uh, with, um, why do people love his character so much? And... Uh, for some, for some characters, I do get it. You know, I, I get that they are, not only are they, you know, sort of like ruggedly handsome and all of that, but there's actually some charismatic lines beneath the character that make them really attractive. And I get that, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Fundamentally, I feel like I'm missing a part of an argument about Daryl that would make him either a strong leader or a a strong person in a relationship. I just, it's hard for me to see that. For for me, Daryl, the best Daryl experiences are Daryl doing Daryl things on Daryl's own. Maybe with dog. Maybe with dog. But the rest of the time, it's always... Daryl on his own is sort of the best of that's who he is because even Daryl with Beth was sort of it was it was great because it you know built up something but it felt like it was about Beth not about Daryl right right yeah so we'll get back to Daryl when we talk about the last part of this episode um, I want to go to these two. I forgot what their name. Well, I never. I don't think I ever really knew what their names were. Uh, so <laughs> let me not pretend like I re- remember, um, or I once knew. These two people. There's this old saying called, you know, you know, when you, you know, say it with your chest out, right? Right. Like, these two challenges Alpha in a very milk toast kind of way. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, if you're going to challenge alpha, right. You, they didn't do it with much conviction. <laughs> I'll say that, you know, he kind of had a little conviction in the beginning, but in ultimately, yeah, you can, yeah, they didn't do it. Like they really wanted it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. It, it, that, that I, I narratively that pushed something, in a good direction for us to understand about the the whispers, but yeah, the two of them didn't seem like the right representations to do that. Yeah, I mean, with a dumb couple, and then what ultimately happens to the girlfriend getting beheaded was uh, uh, did you just say milk toast? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, ultimately, she gets beheaded, which is you know, I mean, she did it so easily <laughs> you know uh with her uh, dental floss or whatever and clear, clearly they were in like a piano factory at one point and everybody's got piano wire <laughs> what do you think about i mean you know quelling that rebellion i mean uh beta well, suggests that there might be you know more people feeling that way as well so okay <clears throat> the, it, the, this is the problem that I have with exactly what you just said, or, or why that it's a problem that they weren't stronger. Because rather than Alpha putting down a rebellion, it feels like she just took some burnt toast out of the toaster, and everybody said, "Oh yay, there isn't going to be a fire." But it was just burnt toast in the toaster. Right. Like it didn't it it didn't feel like any threat at all. It was just like a lot of smoke and bad smell. But there was nothing big about it it didn't even feel like there was any, there was nothing actionable behind that at all. Right. Yeah. So it, it just seemed like it was a red herring for plot. Right. Know, for, and and I mean, and it did so. tell us that alpha is, if we didn't know already, or if we had any doubts that alpha is ruthless, what I think it may have done systematically for the story is given us a better chance to see what beta's reaction was Mm -hmm. because somehow we needed to understand that beta was not just standing behind alpha but also acting in sort of an analytic kind of a way for alpha's decision making so i mean in that sense maybe it did something good but wow that that was the one really weak part of this episode that felt uh, shoehorned it, it just felt so forced right because i mean like like i said it it just came out of nowhere we never really seen these characters before or very i think they might have been in the background or something but they weren't really you know what i'm saying so to to really like when 
when Simon challenges um, the uh, I'm about to say the governor um, Negan. Negan. It was built up. You know what I'm saying. So by the time that happens, you understood. You know where he was coming from. You understood who the character was, and it was a big deal. These two guys, you know, you don't know who they are, and even when they challenge them, it doesn't even. They don't even seem like two people that would challenge. You know. Well, right, and if we had seen like uh, like Alpha had said, if we had seen what Alpha had seen, like them talking in the forest or them, you know, chatting behind some trees, and maybe a flash of. Uh, something a knife i don't whatever it is that they needed to show to say yeah okay we're actually going to challenge alpha then it would have been a little bit more uh intrigue and at least we would have had some contextual clues about what was coming but to just have everybody stand around in a circle and just it i just it smacked of we just need to do this to show something and it didn't work i didn't i didn't like it either yeah that was that was very weak very weak, Walking Dead. <laughs> All right, so let's get to. Uh, um, well, I guess we we can touch on this. Uh, I mean, because you kind of brought it up, and I was gonna, I was gonna go deeper with it, but uh, I feel, yeah, I feel like we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, a little bit more is. Um, This is uh, um, Michonne and uh, Judith having a conversation about uh, Negan. And um, first of all, I like the exchange. And I like that Judith is one of those kids like you're like, like, you know, she she isn't. She is obviously way older than her years based on her life experience and what she's had to endure, you know, but also just as. I, I can just see as an adult, this kid would drive me nuts too, <laughs> you know, because you know <laughs> she's she's just too smart for her own good, right? So <laughs> the scene with her and uh, Michonne was really good, uh, and I think ultimately it's going to help plant the seeds for a change in the way that the group overall, you know, looks at everything with Negan, um, and. And I'm sure events will change that as well, you know, make the make it, you know, make it um, something where we will have a, a different outcome. But I like the way that they've built up the relationship between Judith and um, Negan. You know, uh, it's really cool. Right. The way that they did it. And I think it's an interesting choice to make her the conduit to his potential freedom, you know, being that it's almost like she's living the legacy that her father had in a certain degree, you know, by keeping him alive. And then, you know, him, she's helping to rebuild, somewhat rehabilitate Negan. Um, What do you think about that idea of her being kind of the conduit for that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that sort of is where things are being set up. If you listen to what uh, Judith said to Michonne in defense of why she talks to Negan, she said, Negan listens and not everybody does. And that is 100% represented when Michonne goes to talk to Negan in the cell and Negan says, I hear everything. Mm-hmm. That th- there's there is a, a, a beautiful <laughs> sort of line of nefariousness, but it's there and it, it shows you why Negan is so strong, why and why I think there is the uh, <coughs> attraction from Judith to Negan. D- not d- she says it, and I think I don't think that she's I don't think that she is being disingenuous herself about what she says. Mm-hmm. I think she honestly feels like Negan is not her friend. And that she's able to separate that, but that she also recognizes that Negan not just listens to her, but listens to things that are happening. So that 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 there is a, a a separation. She can parse the difference between needing someone to listen to her and needing someone to be her friend, uh, and that's 
actually quite interesting for anybody to understand, let alone a child. But the influence that Negan has, or I'm sorry, the influence that Judith has between Negan and Michonne in a sort of bridge sense is really amazing because somehow Judith is able to stand in the middle of Michonne and Negan and there is some kind of understanding not between Michonne and Negan, but between Michonne to Judith, Judith to Negan, and the other way around, Negan to Judith and then Judith to Michonne. Does that make sense? Do you no, know what I'm saying per- when I say that? No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, and it's very well said. Um, and it's one of the, the better aspects of this episode, I think, is that. Because we know at some point, even if you even if you don't know about the comic book, right? You know at some point Negan is going to factor in. Negan is going to, you know, uh, is going to have some degree of trust within the group. Um, my, my assertion is that something's going to probably happen where they're going to be at odds uh, with, you know, with the Whisperers or whoever, and Negan's going to step up, you know, he's going to step up and help, you know, help out with that. And that's what's going to um, ultimately make. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You think that's what's going to happen? Huh? Oh, I, I said, yeah, you think that's what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to prove himself somehow uh, physically or militarily or whatever. And, you know, that's going to maybe change his uh, what's going to happen or. He could go with the other side, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you, you never know with old Negan, but I'm, I'm assuming at least they're gonna make us believe that that's where it's going. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think that the Negan storyline is done exploiting his his hubris. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that. The storyline. He's not a good guy. He's not going to be a good guy. Right. Well, and but 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 see, but see, that's that's what I find fascinating about Negan in this capacity Mm -hmm. is that you don't have to be a good guy to be exploitable by any side. And that's part of the lesson of The Walking Dead, right? Part of the lesson of The Walking Dead, from a moral standpoint, is just because you stand on the side of what is quote-unquote good does not always mean that you make good choices, does not always mean that you are a good person. And conversely, just because you are on the side that is the opposing side, it doesn't always make you a monster. It doesn't always make you unsympathetic. It doesn't always make you... Uh, just, you know, a walking garbage bag. There are plenty of sort of crossover moments that you have. And Negan is one of those characters that sort of, he's so strong in every (coughs) single thing that he does that when he's good, it feels like you can forget about all the stuff that he's done that's bad because he has that strength of character. But it really isn't that way. He really never... I don't think Negan ever will be not Negan. And and I, in some ways, I feel like that was the whole point of having that conversation between Michonne and he inside of the jail cell where they conversed about, you know, Michonne saying, look, if this is another, you know, fresh pile of bull that you want to peddle me, well, then congratulations, you're a new person. But but see, to me, it's not I don't feel like that's what Negan was trying to say. Negan wasn't trying to say to her, I'm a changed person. Negan was trying to say, I'm who I am. Use me. Right. Which I loved about that, too. Yeah. You know, and that's the best way I would think to get your point across is to say, hey, look, I ain't going to sit here and say I'm Mr. Nice Guy. But, you know, there is a you know you can use a jerk like me you know yeah and that and that's something that the groups have not sort of come to deal with yet 
it's just everybody who is opposition rather than trying to which is which is sort of exactly the opposite of where the whisperers are because like i said rather than trying to use people in opposition modes to benefit themselves they they don't see it that way they see you're either on the side of right or you are wrong and if you look at what the whisperers are basically doing it's no 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 no. we're all animals in fact alpha said it really well she said you know why i like animals because they don't lie Mm, and mm -hmm. that was a big uh, that's a huge statement to be made because so much of what's happening with the whisperers is based on this sort of pillar of lies that they are are well that they that they understand to be true (coughs) at least at least they're lies to us i don't think they're lies to them right they think that that's the truth but to us who are you know, on the side of Alexandria and Hilltop and the kingdom, we think that those things are lies. So that was sort of a big pivotal moment. Yeah, well, I have to say this, though. Uh, animals do lie because I've been around some cats that were liars. So uh, I think that's not true. <laughs> okay, that is not true at all. So... Uh, uh, I don't know where they're getting that from. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the last part of the episode that we're going to cover, and that is the big rescue scene, um, which was not a very big rescue scene. It was very short. But I loved, you know, uh, that never fails, is getting a herd to uh, basically use the herd as a weapon. <laughs> it never gets too old, you know? Like, uh, I just love how that works, you know? And um, I love the fact that uh, Daryl basically uses the Whisperer's game to his advantage, you know, by right. by, by wearing a mask and going to save um, to save Henry, and then being forced to have to save Lydia as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, I you know I, I but here's my question though. I can understand why he wants to save Henry, right? Because he, one is he took him in and, you know, for Carol and Ezekiel and he feels a responsibility to him being alive. And he, he likes him too, right? He likes the kid, right? Yeah. But the Lydia piece, you know, it's, I don't think it's just, this is me. I don't think it's just about um, that he is getting Lydia because he wants her to, to, you know, to be okay or whatever. I think a lot of it is ego too. I think a lot of it is I don't like people telling me that I can't, you know, like what to do or whatever. Like he didn't want to be pumped, you know what I mean? Well, well, right. But Daryl, Daryl said to to Henry leave her like i don't i'm i'm not sure that daryl walked into that camp with the intent of rescuing lydia at all no no he went there to get henry right but remember he didn't want to give up lydia well okay so yes and and then there was the exchange at the end of last episode where uh um oh my gosh i'm apparently haven't had enough coffee but where um the the girl that's with him right now writes on the paper and says, I can't live with it either. And so, I mean, she's, she was echoing something that is clearly in Daryl's head that he hasn't expressed, but that she picked up on. I can't live with it either. So, so that piece obviously is there, but you know, personally, I think, okay, this is one of those instances where I feel like there's a strong story behind it. And I feel like we're just not privy to it because because maybe time constraints, because maybe because maybe a million things, because maybe the narrative just isn't strong enough to carry it. But I really think that what's happening is that Daryl has a sympathetic response to Lydia because we saw that he ex- thinks that he experienced, uh, not thinks, thinks she experienced something similar to him. And so that sympathetic response sort of pushes him over the top in terms of what he's willing to do for her. My, my, 
my hesitation in understanding where Daryl is coming from with all of this is why Daryl <coughs> pursues the the kind of um, like you said, I understand why he goes to get Henry. That does make sense. It, and it also makes sense because I, I don't think that Daryl and Carol are completely just uh, that they're just that there isn't something left over, that there aren't vestiges of some kind of feeling in some capacity between the two of them. So I can see why he would want to look out for Henry. But where Lydia is concerned, I, I don't think that what you're saying or I don't think what you're saying is. 100% on the mark. I don't think it's about his pride as much as it's about whatever his past trauma was and sort of not I don't know if it's not wanting somebody else to experience it, but once you have a sympathetic response with someone, it's hard to forget that. I agree with you. I'm not saying that's not part of it, but I think part of it also is she came, he didn't like her coming to their location and threatening. And oh, part of it is right. like, uh, it's an, it is partly ego too. It's like this heifer going to come to my house right? and tell right. me what's what, but leave me. That's a huge part of it as well. Right. And th I, I, that's yeah, the part I, that I, I the saying. reason why I'm bringing that up is I think that's a part that people are not, you know, I, I, all that, what you're saying is true. But I think that that's a part of it too, which goes to his his leadership too, right? You're you're right. You're right. I, I you're right. I and I hadn't even framed it in that context. Mm -hmm. But you're you're absolutely right. That is, I I think that that is a big part of where he's coming from. I I mean I I, I also think because remember he, remember he says we could crush you like you yes. know like you know and, and you know to 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 make that declaration. And at the point that he does, it's almost like, who do you think you are? You think those guys, you know, with no weapons can actually stand up to us? We can crush you. Like, right. And then the and the thing that, you know, they had the baby and then their two other guys. So then it was like, man, you know, like I, you know, like, oh, you know, like, you know, once you once you display like strength like that, but then you have to back down that that sticks into your craw, especially as a dude, you know, like that stuck in his craw and it's like, well, they got us here. You know, we got to play ball, you know, but anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say, and expanding on that, the same along those very same lines, it, I think it also is sort of, it's an odd show of strength to the whisperers from Hilltop to once again have Lydia be with them because it really does show that one, they can be just as sneaky and just as uh, underhanded, but two, that there really is some strength that it's not just uh, what they're saying, it's what they're showing. So if they, if they are able to take Lydia out of the whisperers camp, that really is something pretty big. Right. Right, and 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 it was a it was a good f you, you know what I mean? Uh, like I'm sure, also, I'm sure he felt really good at the the fact that he's able to. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm sure he felt very good at the idea that he was able to, you know, stick it to him. one up. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, and and also it gave Daryl an opportunity uh, to see what's to see what's what in the whisperers camp that is he could gauge numbers he could gauge mm -hmm. he could gauge a lot based on just that and I, okay so I, this is the this is one of the the things that i also found so weak so this group we are to understand has existed in one capacity or another for since the beginning of the zombie apocalypse right because of what mm -hmm. we know from the backstory of alpha Right. And you're telling me that they don't have any systematic way to combat a herd of walkers when right. they are always 
a part of the walkers i, I something i don't know exactly what it is i would have to kind of think on it a little bit but something seemed so out of whack with that and it and it the reason that i feel like it's out of whack is because it took me by such a like scratch my head moment kind of surprise that it felt out of place I I think it was genius for Daryl to do it. It's just, why didn't they have a response to that? I I didn't understand that at all. You know what it could be is, you know, good old-fashioned, they were were caught with their pants down, you know? Like, Like, when you've been getting away with doing things a certain way for like a while, then you start, you know what I mean? Like, you end up, you know, you, you don't always have your thing um, buttoned up, you know? And I think that's what it was, you know? That it seems plausible. It, it was just really shocking. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, I thought that was uh, that was interesting. I, li- I like the way that it, it played out in the end. So, yeah. If, 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 Alpha's, if Alpha's really thinking that they're animals and that this is the way to survive like animals then even animals have protection mechanisms even animals have ways to deal with predators even animals have systematic responses to danger and for them not to have one just seemed like wow what how'd you guys survive all this time i know yeah well, um, anything, any last things before we uh, head on out here? I, I did want to say one thing. This episode calls to mind something that I've been thinking about for a number of episodes of The Walking Dead. It wasn't super fast paced. It wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't anything sort of emblematic that happened. There wasn't, you know, kind of like a, a massive crisis to deal with or um there wasn't like a whole lot of uh shock scares or things like that but it was remarkably well done in both a production sense and in a story sense and over the past ever since uh ever since february really every time i see a new episode i'm reminded of how transformative this season has been to the walking dead it's it is such a different experience that it that it, it doesn't feel like it has to constantly be who's going to die you know somebody clearly is going to die this week or it it just feels like a like a story unfolding and it, for for whatever reason that feels better than the constant uh whatever was happening with the sanctuary. I mean, I know that there's a lot of sort of stuff that goes around that, but every week at sanctuary, it felt like, okay, well, you have to tune in to see who is going to die because everybody, somebody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. And there was, I never felt like there was a chance for things to, uh, to settle in the sense that you could never sort of get narrative going. There wasn't like a really good, strong storyline. It was just always about, crisis and conflict and this it feels different there is crisis there is conflict but it's uh, it's told and unfolded in such a way that over the past couple of episodes it feels like we're moving in a nice direction without necessarily having to be thinking about okay well obviously this is all leading up to a finale what's going to happen in the finale it just it feels like there's something to tune into instead of always being sort of like on the edge of your seat that there's less shock value does that i i hope that, that makes sense to everybody i'm i'm not saying that in the past the walking dead wasn't good with its you know kind of shock and awe i'm saying with with an expanded storyline there it feels like there's a lot of time to unfold things in ways that we haven't seen before and i really appreciate that a lot um yeah i think that uh this season has been really good and the writing has been tip top and I like the way that they, how it's unfolded as far as, uh, you know, introducing the whisperers and, and some of the character stuff and all of that. And 
uh, I I really I have to give a- Angela Kang big props. Yeah, uh, on it, she's done a remarkable job. So I'm right there with you. I I feel like that this this season hasn't suffered from things that previous seasons have. I mean, you know, it, it has its you know moments where you're like, really, Walking Dead, you know, but but well, not as much though as before though. You know, and you can sort of see it. I don't know if everybody watches The Talking Dead, but you can kind of see it reflected in The Talking Dead because the the episodes of The Talking Dead, in especially in previous uh, recent years, have been so escalating and over the top and sort of, you know, um, the things that, that need to be talked about are things that are so incredibly, they're shocking, but they're also always big crisis points. And if you listen to where the walking or where the Talking Dead is going now, it's far more intellectual. Uh, and I, I don't mean this as you know any kind of slight or anything, but there is such a nice juxtaposition between sort of just talking about the violence and the crisis, and talking about true development inside of the story that feels like okay, well, hey, there's actually a story underneath here. It's not just all about who can do the most body violence to either another person or a walker. Right or 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 fans trying to make something that's not that cool seem way cooler than it is. <laughs> right. right, that too, that too. Right. No, I agree with you. That's for sure. Um, how can people get you on social media and all that good stuff? Uh, social media, I'm on Twitter at following bliss one, and you can always check out my websites at criticallaughs.com and moviesmakethemeal.com. You can get me at Kente F on. Uh, Twitter and Kente Ferguson. That's K-I-N-T-E-F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N. At uh, Instagram, you can get our website. And our website is IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Talking About Walkers, The Walking Dead Podcast. I want to wish everybody a great rest of your week. And God bless. My life is like a browser with 25 open tabs. I have kind of a constantly plugged in thing. Any interruption could jeopardize the whole operation. So I got my internet service from AT&T because their customers rated their service number one in reliability over cable. For $40 a month, I can get up to 100 megabits per second internet so I can stay up to date on the latest stuff going on in my world. It's soothing to know AT&T internet is rated number one in reliability over cable. It helps me maintain my low stress thing. AT&T internet customers rank their service number one in reliability over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits per second. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance and reliability of speed and service consistency. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, have a fun and delicious start to your morning with Post Nutter Butter Cereal. 19-ounce boxes are just 99 cents. That's a wow savings of up to 80% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, Star Kissed Chunk Light Tuna, 5-ounce cans are buy two, get one free. That's a wow savings of up to 64%. Limit three free. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market.